Welcome to the Ty and Rye, the Finance Guys podcast, covering weekly investment news, important financial topics, and expert interviews. We want to help you become more knowledgeable about the financial world around you. This is not an offer to sell you anything, and remember, past performance doesn't indicate future results. Now your hosts, Ty Hansen and Ryan Robertson. Hello and welcome, everybody. Here we are, Ryan Robertson, Tyler W. Hansen. Tyler Hansen, ready to roll with Ryan J. Robertson. The Finance Guys, here we are. Another uh, uh, part to the Peak to Trough miniseries. Peak to Trough, yes. Top Is this to sounding like a PBS special? We, 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 should, are. we should do one of these in an NPR voice. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm going for. It's are calming. You? Yeah. Soothing sounds so of this finance is part... by Ryan. <laughs> I mean, that'll get everybody excited. Yeah, seriously. We have done two parts to this. We have done the dot-com bubble. We have done gold. We are now moving in to the Mac Daddy. The big cheese. This one really, really takes the cake. We're talking about... The financial collapse, 2007 eight. to 2008 yeah. into 2009. Yeah. This is the one everybody kind of knows and remembers. This is the Great Recession. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yes. And, 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 and really, like when you compare numbers, the only thing that compares to it really is the Great De- Depression. Yeah, absolutely. From 90 years ago. So, well, I was going to say, yes, and a, a, a big key point with this one, too, um, as we jump into this, is you know, everything else we've talked about had, a, I think, a little bit faster recovery. Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to say with, with, uh, with dot com, but because some of those things just went completely away. But th- this thing had a lot longer impact on people than, than most anything else that we've experienced, you know, in the last hundred years. So, you know, 75 years. So, Pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be one of those things that uh, plenty of people are, are using for economic models and thinking in terms of portfolio management and anal- analyzing things because of j- just the, the scope and the reach that uh, this whole thing went through. So there's going to be a lot. So, Ty, I want you to promise me, and I want you to promise I, I everybody who's, I who's listening, I want you to promise us, promise us, Right. Okay. Okay. You need to keep things simple. I will try. I cannot promise. <laughs> I can't. I can't make a promise. <laughs> I know I'm gonna break. So. Yes. Otherwise, you're gonna get angry hate mail. I know. Please tell Ty to stop talking. You yeah. should replace him on your podcast. Let's uh, <laughs> uh, let's bring this up from really dot com. You can make a really good connection from dot com because. You know, we talk about 2002, really the dot-com bubble deflated all the way down to 2002, which, which moved us into a pretty decent recession, right, in that September 11th time period and that, uh, that uh, dot-com bubble. Put us in a recession. So what does the Fed do? What's their number one uh, tool? Yep, their, their biggest bargaining chip is how they adjust interest rates. So this kind of starts 
we're still in this interest rate period, almost. Like, I mean, you're talking about from 6.5% in 2000, which is, you know, fairly normal, nothing crazy about 6.5%, down to 1% in 2003. So, Ty, tell us, what happens to people when interest rates get down to near zero? Um, I think we talked about this before. People are like, people are like, investors are like water. We always find the path of least resistance, and and we're going to find ways to to make opportunities. And so, when you've got interest rates that low, you're going to start borrowing like crazy because if I can borrow from you, and you're only going to charge me one percent, I can turn around and I can do something else with it and make four or five, six percent. It's called arbitrage, right? Yeah. And what I think not, was, not albatross, arbitrage. Yeah, not, not albatross. That's that giant plane, or the bird. It's arbitrage the the other thing that's interesting about this too is we're, we're kind of coming off like you said there was there was the dot-com bubble but there's also like we saw a lot of um like enron like a lot of like uh number manipulating and 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 you know fraudulent stuff happening on on you know earnings reports and things like that so the the entire sentiment in the market was kind of like f you stocks like they people were kind of frustrated with corporate america Right. So, so yeah, you're right. So, so all of a sudden rates are dropped. You can get money super cheap. And historically, what do we turn to? Yeah. Real estate. Real estate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and we were talking about earlier too, a couple other pieces to this that, that might be helpful as you start to think about some of the political agendas going back into Clinton and Bush wanting to get more home ownership. So you've got, uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac getting involved, um, and just less oversight on the underwriting uh, side of things. Yeah, and, and yeah, this is so hard. Like, I mean, I've I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this. Um, you know, read a lot of information. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting because, you know, I was already kind of in the business as dot com was blowing up. Uh, but I was really entrenched in the business and starting to really build my own self-employed business. Um, towards, you know, the end of this real estate boom and as 07, 08 start to hit, right? Um, so, so it was really, really part of my, my, my more formative years. Um, and so, so obviously having lived in it, done a lot of research, you know, in the, in the moment and, and after the fact, you know, it's not just one thing, but it was like kind of this perfect storm of a lot of different things. It's political, right? It's, it's greed. It's, speculation, right? I mean, because that's the whole point of this, this series we want to do is, is the number one theme here is speculation, right? So again, you can't just say, oh, well, it was Clinton or it was Bush or it was the interest rates being too low or it was whatever. It's like, look, it, it all was fuel on the fire, right? And, 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 and yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it, there was a lot of political influence at this time. And it's like, hey, we want to make every American a homeowner. Let's make that happen, right? So absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, and and the funny thing is, is that both of us uh, having experience in both financial world as far as money management investments go, but then we've also had our hand in the mortgage side of it. So we we, we both sort of understand. And at the time, I like you was right in the middle of the whole thing, and it was ha- as a, as it was happening, you know, you could start to really start pieces together. Like, oh, we're, we're in trouble here. This is. Well, a lot of problems. 
the 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 hard thing, and this is again, this is why I'm actually like a random side note, but I, I mean, I wish we didn't have to go through OA. Like, and it was a lot of turmoil for a lot of people, and it was pretty painful. Uh, it was painful for my family. I mean, trying to start a business in that time was like ludicrous. Um, but like, it was really good because now looking back, I feel like it's really changed like my how I see things. Right. Not, not that there won't ever be mistakes made again in the markets. I'm not talking about me. I'm just talking generally in the markets. But I'm definitely a lot more crip, uh, critical and hypersensitive to what markets are doing. Right. But yeah, at the time, it was almost like as, as, as we're seeing the equities kind of die off and, you know, more, um, uh, you know, um, fraud and things like that on the equity side of the market, we're really starting to see real estate ramp back up. Man, everybody had rose colored goggles on. Everybody did. Do you know what I mean? And everybody does. Yeah, you just That's see. the whole problem. That's the whole problem on that ride up. That ride up, nobody wants to stop it. Nobody wants to be the party pooper. Nobody wants to miss out. None of the analysts want to just be like the hey, this is no fun. Nobody wants to be that. And this one, this one is an, is, an, is an amazing one because, I mean, what drove it is obviously these low interest rates, a big part of that, right? Now everybody has the ability, not only do investment banks have, the, have more money that they can then borrow, individual investor or uh, uh, just people, anybody can go do it. And you start throwing into it the subprime uh, mortgage market, right? That's this, not new, but... Um, kind of a re-envisioned market where you start to get, and you remember pick-a-pay loans. You can choose fully amortized, interest only, or less than interest. Yeah. As negative, your payment. Yeah, negative amortization. Exactly. Uh, variable rate, seven to one arms, right? Balloon payments. All of this stuff was working at the time. And you have way more subprime borrowers than ever before. Not not because they were subprime. They were just allowing to underwrite more subprime right. mortgages. Well, and, and, and you know, it's interesting because, you know, uh, so pri prior to the real, like the, the height of the subprime time, uh, I, I had been more involved in, in uh, with a securities broker dealer. You know, we did 1031 exchanges and obviously... As, as real estate values were, sh were shooting through the roof, people are selling their real estate. They didn't want to pay the long, you know, the, the, the taxes. So they were 1031 exchanging them. Right. And so, man, we were, we were doing deals like crazy. So, so, so even before this kind of was at, at its, at its peak, you know, I was, I was more involved on the real estate side of the table, you know, as people were exchanging money. Right. So they were going from, you know, they, they owned an investment property in California that, they bought for three hundred thousand. That was now worth one and a half million. They sell that. They take their equity and they, you know, pool their money with ten other people and they buy, you know, a commercial property, right? Uh, so, but as I start coming in, as I started shifting into the mortgage industry, because again, I had just a ton of, you know, commercial real estate experience and and I love, you know, love real estate, right? It was a big part of what I did. I started coming in and I remember, like, you know, I'd been doing loans. I, I was doing some loans. And it was like, and to be. Seriously, I, I never once did a negative amortization loan, but I remember like the first time I heard about this concept, it was like, wait, so you're telling me like I can actually like take the equity from my house to make my payment? 
Like, I don't really actually have to pay the bank what I'm technically supposed to be paying the bank. My house will, like the equity. It, it, was, it, it was crazy. It was so crazy. So, yep. And the whole thing, the whole thing with it is, is, is that you start to see this secondary market, which comes in, in which it can now all be securitized is really what's happening. So because banks are underwriting the loans, but those banks are not holding on to those loans. Right? Those banks are selling those loans. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they're selling them to um, other investment banking companies who are then packaging these loans together to be sold as an investment. Right? This is where this term CDO comes from or ABS or MBS, however you want to call or it. Or POS. different acronyms. <laughs> Yeah. POS. Yeah. POS so, investments. POS investments. Well, and, and let's take that a step back because, like, th- this is so important for people to understand. And and if you've ever seen the movie The Big Short, right? This is the, this is a lot. This is kind of repetitive to what they talk about in that movie. And um, but but this is really an interesting concept. Is for so long in the banking world, the concept had been okay. You have you know. Um, if, if you have uh, $100 million, you can loan. I mean, it used to be back in the day, it was like you could only loan the $100 million, right? And, and not all of that, not all of that's going to go to real estate, right? Um, and then they're like, well, you can leverage yourself two or three to one, right? Uh, so you're talking, okay, well, now we can do $300 million, right? Which is great. That means you can do more business. There's more loans to go around. You can offer houses to more people. You don't have to have 20% down anymore. Well, now it's like, wait a second. So, because I don't know if people understand this, but inside of your mortgage, even though you're necessary, even though you're technically pay, writing a check to Wells Fargo or Chase, they may not actually own your note, right? They're not the actual person whose money that you've borrowed, right? That's that's the there's they, the note they're servicing exactly. Them. There's note and they're servicing, right? And those get broken apart. So, to to your exact point with these these CDOs, right? These collateralized debt obligations, fancy word for saying the note. Right or the debt part, they they carve out all these debt pieces from all these mortgages, package them up. So this now lets banks kind of get re- again. And, and political banking greed. It's like it, seriously, it's not just one group. It's not just lenders. It's not just real estate agents. It's not just investors. It's not just uh, Wall Street. It's not just you know politicians. It's everybody. Everybody was greedy as hell. Right. We've come through this dot-com bubble. Well, let's make a crap ton of money in real estate. Let's speculate the hell out of real estate, right? So we start packaging, and now banks are like, sweet. Well, rather than me just doing $100 million worth of loans, I can do $1.5 billion of loans. Oh, yeah. We're going to make a lot of money if we do this. Well, and it's, it's just one of those things. So the bank can underwrite the loan, right? They start it, and then they sell it. Well, what does the bank get? They get back the money they just lent. So now they got that money again, they can redo that loan. So the more that you can sell those loans off to a secondary market, which now there is a, a big demand for this because people are thinking, and, and obviously any of the investment banks that are that are putting these together and then the investors that they're selling them to are thinking, oh, well, A, they're, they're asset-backed loans. So that means there's a property that's backing up the loan. And they're homeowners, which means they're more than likely to pay the loan because that's where they live. Right. And, and, and again, so people started to think that they yeah, were, these are awesome. So, so, and, and think about this too. Let, let's go back and you're the history buff. So go back, what, five years, you know, four or five years earlier before this is really ramping up. 
Because this concept wasn't new. I mean, some of the CDOs and they synthesized these like packaged products from Goldman Sachs, some of the bigger, you know, investment banking companies, they were a little bit newer, but this concept of like deleveraging the books, right? So that banks can now offer more. This had been around since the eighties and nineties. Like it's, it, it was something that was there. Right. But then now we're talking like, again, like we talk like with crypto, like, like with cryptos, right? Like cryptos have been around for a while, but all of a sudden like there's some catalyst to it that all of a sudden makes it really attractive. Right. So, so yeah, now these are starting to go out and, and you're absolutely right. So, so remember five years prior to this really being super huge and crazy, you've got like, what were some of the companies we talked about that went under with do, uh, the dot-com bubble? Pets.com. What were some of the other ones? Well, you... Pets.com, Flues.com, Webvan. Webvan. Like, I mean, crazy things that just like, and, and then Enron, crap like that going on where people are like, we don't know anything about these companies. We're the lowest person. On, think about this, because there's, there's, when somebody goes bankrupt or they're losing money, there's, there's a hierarchy legally. There's a hierarchy of who gets paid first, right? And if you are a collateralized debt, right, meaning there's, you, there's something, there's actually tangible something there that is the, what the debt's made on. That is way higher up the pecking order, right, than unsecured. It's secured loan, right? So it's, you're really, really, really high up there compared to or common stock, right? And so people are like, why would I want to be common stock if I can be investing in this real estate piece up here that is, has something, and, and you're absolutely, you, you hit the nail on the head. When do homeowners not make their payments? For, for, for 50 years, since, you know, 60, 70 years these products have been around, people have paid their mortgage payments, right? Um, what's that family in, um, what's, the, what's the name of the family in It's a Wonderful Life? Where they make the loan to the Italian family, they're like, "Here's the bread." Oh, here's it's the wine. A Martini. Martini, the Martini family, run... right? You you know mm-hmm. the Martini family is going to make their payment, right? Bill, yeah. Bailey's building the loan, right? They, you know, and Bailey, he the, knows co- them. He knows root. He knows. Exactly. Yes, this, this is what we're used to. So yeah, no Americans are going to stop making their payments. So why not sell a crap ton of this stuff? Because it's the American dream. The presidents have even said, "Hey, let's let's give everybody this American dream." Yep. And then you, you sprinkle into that, right, subprime borrowers, which, you know, r- riskier borrowers, obviously, they have lower credit, they have a history of You have a face? Debts. You have a face? You get a loan. <laughs> yeah. Are you breathing, Ryan? Are uh, you breathing? S- you get a loan. Stated income loans, right? You just tell them what you make and they trust it, right? That was happening. So now they start to, they, they, they start to package these things together. Right, we've heard the whole the, the adage, right? One rotten apple ruins the whole bushel. Is yeah, that how it goes. I, th- I think so. Something like that. I've never owned one an orchard, so I don't really know. One bad egg. One bad egg. One bad egg. Turns the chicken ruins the sour. Whole... No, not chicken. Something no. like that. Okay, yeah. Right, and but the the basis of a lot of the subprime mortgages were all based on the idea that intre- or uh, property values were just going to, at the very minimum have a basic level of growth to them. And that just can't happen. There's, it's, it's, it's impossible because at some point, you're going to hit this peak where, re- where property values cannot go up anymore because even those subprime borrowers and the mortgages that are built on them can't. And then the other thing you have that, that gets thrown into that is the increase in interest rates, which they artificially made them low for the dot-com burst bubble and then 
as things started to really stabilize, market starts getting better. Uh, they're like, well, we got to raise rates because things are going to get out of control, inflation and all that. So all the very, all the variable rate mortgages, those seven to one arms, the ones that a lot of subprime borrowers were getting, it changed and payments, some of them doubled, tripled. Yeah. Well, even some of them and were, were, you know were, to do. some of them were, were one year arm, two year arm, like three year, like, I mean, like. So yeah. crazy, so 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 crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and and, th- and think about this. So so so, not only do the interest rates have an impact, but it's like so you've got all these people through the subprime offerings, thinking, oh, I need how I want a house. I can get a house. Well, well, guess what? We're, we're we start running out of houses, right? And it's like, well, crap. Let's build them. Let's build like crazy, right? So yeah, you've got and, and you know you've got people that are you know you are demand that's just through the roof, right? And it's a lot of it's artificially created by the subprime, you know, garbage. So Right. Yeah. So a, a couple of things that I think that maybe uh just can be kind of help understand some of the the real um uh, the bubble that gets created here. So the biggest one is uh that allows for it is going to be this leveraging point for banks. It it moves from like you were saying this maybe you know, four to one, you know, they can lend out $4 for every dollar that they've got on the books. I mean, we're talking about leveraging rates upwards of 30 and 40% or 30 to 40 times. There were even European banks that were leveraged 3,000 to one, 3,000 to one. Bonkers. So crazy. I was telling you right before we started this, uh, uh, this company, Bear Stearns, right? They, they owned, they were one of the big players in this that ended up just going bankrupt because they had leveraged to a point that just a swing in home values of 3 to 5% would wipe out their whole, a de- decline of 3 to 5% would wipe out their entire uh, fund that was used to buy these CDOs. Just a three to five percent swing, and it's because of that leveraging. So it amplifies when you leverage that much. It amplifies those movements. Well, and not only that, what was interesting too, and I was telling you about this as well. So uh, when I did my master's program, uh, part, uh, part of the reason I chose my master's was because there were a couple of professors there that had some really cool experience in these fields, right? And so one of my professors actually had been. Uh, I think it was either. I think it was City. I think he worked with City back on Wall Street, and he was he was one of their big arbitrage traders, right? With these with these you know CDOs, like he helped them make a ton of money, and he actually ended up kind of getting out of the game, you know, about two thousand five, two thousand four, two thousand five. So he got he kind of got lucky. Anyways, so he was part part of the problem, and he totally admitted he's like, oh yeah, I'm part of the problem. Uh, but it was cool. So we would take we actually broke apart these these. Um, they're called there's different tranches or levels or layers right we we break them apart to see where you know like how much is this going to make how can these be bought and sold like what are the actual mortgages that are making up these these bundles right so it's pretty interesting and and so not only not only housing prices too but if you had interest rates rise so much we basically would test these 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 buckets these these tranche these different tranches to see okay if rates go up so much or like you're saying with housing prices too so, so from both fronts, if that, how much, what, what does that really take? What's the stress test on this thing to see if this whole, this whole barrel goes, goes bad, right? Um, what, one last thought too with this. Uh, so I remember reading an article, uh, end of 08, early 09, and they talked about, because they were dissecting, you know, okay, what went wrong? 
so so not only this, not only that, but but as you've got these large so. So who's buying these mortgage-backed securities, right? Because, I mean, if they're packaging up billions of dollars of this, who's buying it, right? It's, it's, it's hedge funds. It's, it's institutional investors. It's, it's pension plans, right? So, like, the, the, the state of California pension, right? Like, billions of – hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. They have these large money managers that say, okay, well, real estate's super – and mortgages are super, like we talked about, low-risk – and so whenever people buy these investments, the SEC makes these companies put out what's called a prospectus, right? So you know what you're getting into. Well, they, they would call these, like they rank funds, right? They were, they were, they were, they were, they were grade A, like there's A, AAA, B, double B. I mean, there's different ratings, right? And depending on the, the garbage is, so you, you should get a higher return if you've got more garbage in there, whatever. So they would literally, um, they would call them, you know, uh, grade A bond funds, right? And so those historically were, were better type, you know, funds for these pensions to buy into. Well, they did a small, they did a small tweak to the verbiage in that prospectus and they called it a grade A type of bond fund. So they literally added the word type. It's kind of like it. You got a little bit of shit it's in here. It's not grade A, it's, it's not, like grade it's A. It's a type of grade A. Right, it's a type of it. Yeah. yeah, it's like anyway. So, so, so that's that's what I'm saying. So, so you, so as these are being packaged up and people are buying them, that's kind of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. So people are like, oh yeah, we're buying great stuff here. This is awesome, right? So yeah, so and the rating rating agencies, there was a big scandal with that too. Uh, nobody that was putting these together and who were really in the know were 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 pricing in the risk involved with it very well. And, you know, that, it, it, that ranges from just kind of naivety to actual, like, we're trying to pass this off as grade A, and oh, it's not. Exactly. You know, there's, there's well, varying levels within that for how they were doing it. Well, and, and I, again, to kind of keep the whole point of this miniseries is to understand speculation, right? If we don't learn from the past, we're bound to repeat it again, right? And so this is... Uh, this is that was on a previous podcast, Ty. That was. So, so this is this idea that we're talking about is... Again, it, I hate when people try to pinpoint the Great Recession to one group or the other. It's like, listen, everybody was so damn greedy. Everybody. 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 Now, don't get me wrong. There were definitely investors who, who were a lot more passive, and they definitely got burned, right? The, the, the common man and woman definitely took the brunt of this. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. But... At every level, from the common man, woman investor, all the way up to Wall Street, it was nothing but greed, all the way through, right? And and that comes back to this point you're saying. I think it was, yeah, we want to really scrutinize these deals, but we're also turning a blind eye because, hey, we're going to make, you know, on this super low risk investment, I'm making six, seven, eight percent. Awesome, let's do it. Let's rock and roll. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. yeah. And so as they, you know, uh, started packaging all these loans together, uh, it was based upon the idea that A, uh, everybody would continue to make their payments, and B, more importantly, real estate values would have some consistency to them. It didn't even really need to rise that much. It just needed to sort of stay on a steady path forward, and everything would work fine. Defaults would happen, but they'd happen within a certain normal range. And that would be fine for the whole thing. But what obviously happened is you see interest rates rise. 
and you start to see all of the subprime loans basically go into default. And one of the big issues at the time is, is that nobody really had much of an opportunity to rework their loan. And it is because the servicer had no power to reorganize your loan for you. It was owned by a hedge fund that there was no centralized authority to make the decision like, hey, you can't make your payments. Okay, let's rework your loan for it to work. Everything in that situation wasn't going to happen. And the only thing that could work is you make your payments, stay on top of it, or you're in default and you're going to have to foreclose on the property. Well, and, and that's the thing that was so crazy about this is like overnight, all of a sudden you start to see the, like, like you talked about Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, you start to see these bigger institutions crumble because they they bet just as much on these as anybody else did, right? Because, I mean, man, if it was like the most attractive thing to these, these, these investors because it's like, and banks, because it's like, dude, we've got something that will never fail and, and we're going to make, you know, double digit returns. Like this is a no brainer, right? We've got to do this. So as those start to crumble and you start to see all this garbage, like, oh crap, there's a lot of garbage in here, right? Um, you're right. It's like, I mean, people would go, I mean, people went two, three, four years in default without being evicted from their home. Um, yeah, I know and, people right. that have done that. That's... And it's, the, it's this idea that it's not that, okay, I've borrowed, you know, $100,000 from Ryan so I can buy my house. And so I'm going to talk to Ryan. We're going to work this out, right? It's not that. Or Ryan's just going to take the house back and turn around and sell it and make money on it, right? It's not that. It's, it's Ryan owns one one hundredth of my mortgage. John Doe over here owns one one hundredth of my mortgage. Jane... Smith down the road owns one one hundred, and it, it's actually even more complicated than that, right? As you start to break down these tranches, and so it's like, anyways, yeah. I mean, you think about what utter chaos was created from these CDOs and and the whole housing crisis of '08. I mean, it went so deep, so deep. It is insane, right? And again, boils back to speculation and greed. I just want a big return and. FOMO, right? If I'm, if I'm, if, you know, if I'm in, if I'm 64 years old and, you know, I've got a CD over here that may pay 2%, well, what about this like real estate fund that I've heard about, or I can, you can put my money into this. It's going to make me, you know, eight to 10%, or maybe I'll buy Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac stock and add that in my portfolio. You know, it's like, we, we got way, people got way too greedy with their portfolios. You know what I mean? And, and, and we have something that starts to take down an entire substructure of our entire economy, the real estate and housing market. And, you know, if you relate this to all of the other um, sort of speculation that we've talked about, uh, really what happens is there's no real sure foundation for what the value is. Nobody knows what the value is. Right when we talk about dot com, we didn't know what the value was. We were speculating it was the value was going to be really high. We talked about gold. We don't know what the value is. We talk about cryptos. We don't know what the value is. And in this case, building it on real estate and these CDOs that are built on that, we didn't know what the value was. Nobody knew really what that value was because it had been overinflated so far. And you just have these a couple little ticks that start happening. Interest rates go up. Real estate values uh, start to decline a little bit, and you start seeing people default. And now it's just one chain in that link going, going dominoes just start to, to, to fall. And now you've got this problem where nobody can actually, the free market cannot come in and solve the problem. Now, this is not a discussion about government involvement or anything like that. But what the problem is, is that 
there was no mechanism to stop it because it was interlinked to so many then different companies that none of them had a good answer for it. And, you know, uh, that when that starts happening, right, it just creates now this, you know, as you, you think about just the chaos of the whole time, De- default after default after default, bankruptcies, companies going under, homes being left, abandoned, buildings, everything just started to crumble. And there was just no real way to get back to base, uh, a baseline that everybody could like, okay, there's, we, we've hit bottom now. Nobody knew. I mean, I lived in St. George back then, St. George, Utah, and from peak to trough on uh, home values was about 55% from 2006, roughly the peak to uh, 2011, 2012, about 50%. So, you know, nobody knew where that bottom was. Right. Well, and even heck, I mean, some of like Arizona, Florida, some of those markets, I mean, they lost 70, 70, 80%. Yeah. Yeah. Vegas. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And at the same time, because this real estate market was so, there were so many, um, like fingers from these CDOs that went out, like, you know, again, these different hedge funds, financial institutions, betting on these same things, you know, pension accounts, just, I mean, the entire infrastructure of the real estate market crumbled. The wave was so big. I mean, the market from peak to valley, 08, 09 was down 57%, right? That's, I mean, man, that's just, it's it, it just, it's just mind boggling how, how, how powerful that was. And, and again, we talked about this before, but what was so, I think what's so powerful about this speculation, um, you know, I mean, this de- definitely has a little bit more of like a long-term feel to it versus dot-com and, and cryptos and things like that. But, but still, it's like it was kind of quietly ramping up and there was so much fuel being put into it. I mean, this took, what, about four years to full, for the market to fully recover from, from, this, from this trough, right, that, when it bottomed out. Let's let's go through those numbers real quick because I it's always interesting to see them and then let's talk a little bit about some of the lessons because this is I do think this one is different from what we're talking about with dot com and what we're talking about with gold because dot com and gold is something that you're choosing to get in and kind of really getting caught up into it and yet yeah a lot of us might have get caught up in the the real estate market then but a lot of us were just doing normal things too oh you just get a loan they they are giving me a loan I'm just buying a house yeah maybe it's a little overvalued but whatever. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit, but this is where it's important to understand that these lessons that you really can have a keener sense of like, something's off here. Something's wrong here, even though it's kind of affecting everybody. Anyway, we'll come back to that. Let's talk about these numbers real quick. Is <laughs> they're just, they're insane. So this is, and I'm, and I'm given the year 2000 just because there's a decade plus of almost no movement in the market, which is era, depression era type stuff. Right, exactly. So in, in January 1, 2000, S&P 1394. Okay, peaks uh, 2000, the S&P at 1517, right? Then you got the, then you got the dot-com, and it goes down 47% to 800. From there, builds back up again, almost, almost doubling, going up 95% to 2007, 
1561. And that is really then where you start to see the big companies like Bear Stearns start to falter. Everybody now starts to go, oh, this is bad. And this continues on for the next year that they're trying to figure it out and, and people are basically trying to uh, come up with solutions outside of the government bailing everybody out. There was, a, there was a lot of stuff happening. And you remember that time, I mean, we're seeing days of the market moving a thousand points. Well, that was on the Dow Jones more, but still, I mean, we're seeing days that were just out of control. And they had to turn off short selling. They had to, they had to stop the market. They had to just close it for a day. That happened a lot in 2008. I mean, I can't imagine what that would do now with social media and, and, and oh, everybody's connected. I can't imagine how it, that would it, feel. Now. Exactly. And, and that's, the, I mean, that's the whole point of this too is, is, you know, I mean, and obviously that's, you know, that's, that's a longer period of time or that year, but there were definitely periods along that way where you're right. You'd see days that were so powerful. And I mean, unfortunately, like, like I said, not not all investors were super greedy, but you know they were they were you know I mean they're earning making decisions high, that they sing, needed to. high single percentages into the double digits in their long term pension accounts. You know what I mean? Again, which which I don't put that on the common investor, right? Because um, a lot of this is it was done at a higher institutional level, but still, it's like and something's out of whack here, right? Way out of whack, and so. People not diversifying away from that, right? Um, yeah. Also, your your retirement that you're planning on living, you know, your two, three, four, five million, ten million dollars. You know, depending on how you manage that in that time period, I mean, you're seeing 30, 20, 30, 40 percent gone like that. Like it's just it was it's crazy, so crazy. So the market peaks October two thousand seven. That fifteen sixty one on with the S and P. And then from there to March of 2009, drops 56 and a quarter percent. Probably some intraday drops that were 57, 58%. But it ends that day in March, 56% down. And, and this, I kind of put this in there because I, I wanted to see. Uh, it took then all the way to uh, March of 2013 to get back, just get back to what had been lost right before in 2007. 1,995 days between those two. Four years. Four years. Four, Four years, years to and, recover. Oh, man. But look but look at that number in 2000. January 1st, 201394. Look at it in August, 1517. So you talk Jeez, about it, crazy. 13 yeah. years, it didn't move hardly at all. Yeah. It yeah. was maybe positive if you stayed in that whole time. Right. That's a long time. That they call it the lost decade for a reason. Yeah. It's just nothing. No, that's yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. The lost decade point. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause your money didn't go anywhere. Yeah. So Ty, give us some lessons from this. Um what are we learning from this? Uh, give us some wisdom. I mean, again, you're the historian here. What should someone do? How often how often do in history how often in history do does history repeat itself? Well, it's funny because the real estate and stock market has this almost seven, ten-year uh, cycle to it. Uh, has for a long, long time of like ups and you know a real sustained downturns like in that time period. Exactly, and there's always this this kind of like greed catalyst, right? So we're sitting in this what? I mean, thirteen, 
2021. How long has that been? Long time. It's been about, yeah, yeah eight years, eight. seven years. Eight seven, years eight now. Years. And granted, we had COVID last year, which was interesting. COVID peak to valley was about down 35%. And, but that recovered in like but it came back months. in like It was crazy. Yeah. But so anyways, the, the, the point is this. Are we going to correct this year, next year? Nobody knows. So the value, the lesson to learn here is there's always going to be some shiny new thing, right? I mean, I remember we, we talked about the banner ads from 2000, right? We talk about like everybody and their dog wanting to buy gold at different periods when it was super, super hot and speculative. We're talking about like seeing ads now on social media, on Instagram and Twitter for cryptos, right? The point is this, like, and, and the same thing happened with real estate. I remember driving up and down the freeway here in Utah, right? In, the, in Salt Lake County, in Utah County, right? And, and seeing these billboards for like free capitalists, right? Like, uh, yeah, the free cap, like make that. all this. In fact, the funny thing is that guy ended up in prison for fraud. Uh, yes, he did. But, but here's the point is it's like, like, there are ways, there always has been and there always will be ways. Now, granted, for the most part, a large share of the market in, in 08 and 09 got its butt kicked. Um, but again, it, there were still ways to be diversified away from that. And there are ways now. And so the point is, is when we see these new shiny objects, these new end all be all investment strategies, it's like, should you be taking a huge chunk of your money and getting into those? No, there's, as you get older, right. And you're coming into your more into your retirement years, late, you know, mid to late fifties. Uh, I mean, cause think about that. That was, what do we say? Four years, right? So if you, if you had, you know, $5 million saved up, right? Actually, that, that's a little bit above average. Let's say that you had a million dollars saved up, right? In back then dollars, which today that's, you know, that's probably what more like a million and a half, $2 million. So if you had a million dollars, you know, back in, in 07, right? You lose half of it. You're down to 500,000 and you're 55. And you're okay. I mean, you, you, you can recover from that, right? You can get back into it. You, I mean, you're now in your mid sixties, right? You're okay. You can retire. You've got your million and a half, two million. You've made even more since then. You're okay. If you're 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, you can't, that, that's, that's a little tough to recover from, right? Because you're kind of now, so my, my point is this, is it's like when, when FOMO is there, when, when the markets are very greedy, when we've got some random new thing that just is more speculation and less true substance to it, it's like, why would we ever chase these things? right? Why not have a better plan in place? Why not be better diversified? Why not have a piece that's going to guarantee me certain returns? You know what I mean? That's the lesson to learn. Yeah. That's the lesson yeah. to learn. It is a lesson to learn. And, and uh, you know, when we think about the, the idea of the market uh, kind of having this general upward trend over time, it does. But you've got to take into account that what if that happens when you're 68? What if that 08 happens? You're 68 in, in 2008. You have to be able to prepare for that type of a risk. And there's things you can do. You just have to do it. Stop chasing the shiny stuff. And chop, stop, <laughs> stop FOMO. Stop the FOMO. We need stop to make, we need to make, we need, we need to make t-shirts and give them to clients. Stop the says, FOMO. Stop the FOMO. <laughs> I love it. Hashtag Here, you stop know the FOMO. That's there a good were, one. There were some Fixed annuities. Now, not that this whole segment's about, you know, us selling an annuity. It's not. But 
there are clients that went through 08 that had 30, 40% of their portfolios in something that was guaranteeing a 5 and 6% return, 7% return. How much better off are you if your portfolio, 50% of your portfolio returns you 7%, 6%, and the market's down 50? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's bonkers. So there are, there are many other tools. And not only that, too, you know what I mean? Even, even I had clients who owned real estate. And and they had they had other they were well diversified. In fact, I I've, I've got a ton of clients that held on to their real estate through that that pop that bubble pop, and still in fact uh, even my dad um, he wanted to dump uh, one of the properties that we had for he want uh, seriously my dad wanted to dump the property because it was upside down and he was so frustrated and I was like dad relax let's hold on to this thing for a couple more years we've got tenants we can work through this and. Sure enough, three years later, he ended up selling that and put about $75,000 in his pocket. You know what I mean? But if, if all your money is there and you're not diversified, you're screwed. You can't do that, right? You've got to fire sell. But if you're diversified and you can weather some of these storms, in fact, some of, some of, the, uh, some of the wealthiest clients that I've worked with, not to make them sound like vultures, but man, there were some awesome real estate deals to be had and... I mean, you could you could pencil a deal that looked really sexy in 2010, 2011, 2012, right? You were picking up real estate for 30, 40, 50 cents on the dollar, and it was awesome. But you had to be you had to have weathered the storm the few years before. So, be the vulture. Yep, it's all fear, fear the FOMO. Sure. Just think about it in terms of how do you actually prepare for something like that. And I know it seems daunting. You're like, how do you prepare for a 55% drop in the market? Well, yeah, that's that's kind of an anomaly. But there definitely are ways to do it. And you just you just got to sit down and really think through that process. Anyway. Good times. Great lesson, Ty. Very good. Great lesson. Very good. I think we basically, uh, we've hammered this down. Hammered it home. We're good. Yeah, we, we, we uh, I don't think there's anything else we need to bring up. No, I think we're good. I think we're really good. Fear the FOMO. So anybody that's listening, you can follow us on tyandry.com. You can also follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Or go to myprosperteam.com. You'll see us on there. And follow us. We'll have another market mini come out next week. We'll have another one come out a week after that. Ty. Thanks for your time, buddy. I appreciate it as always, my friend. Good time. Have a uh, have we'll a lovely week. Next week. All right. Thanks, bud. All right. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ty and Rye, the Finance Guys podcast today. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit subscribe. That way, you won't miss any future episodes. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Ty and Rye Podcast. Also, check us out at myprosperteam.com. Thanks, we will see you next week.